the only public house. People knew them by sight, and would pass the time of day and make guesses about them that were nowhere near the mark. It was supposed that they were dropouts of some kind, living the simple life and trying to support themselves on their few badly managed acres of land, which of course was impossible. So they must, it was surmised, have other sources of income because they certainly did not look destitute or even hard up. They ran a Range Rover and a Mini, but were not on the telephone, which seemed odd, but possibly went with the primitive mode of living. The girl was a real beauty, dark-haired, slow-eyed, rather less than average height and lithe. Her movements had a feline grace about them. She caught the eye, the male eye in particular. It was imagined by some that the four were three brothers and a sister, though there was no family resemblance. Some of the young and unattached men of the village would have liked to make a closer acquaintance with the girl and fancied their chances, but she chilled them with a look, and they did not try again. Some, repulsed and resentful, said she was a witch. There was a time when she might have faced the ordeal of the ducking-stool, but those days were long past. The musketeers cared nothing for what people might be saying about them. As long as nobody guessed the truth, and how could they? What did it matter? It was a big house, but not old. It was built of yellow brick, and stood four square, in about three acres of ground. You could see it from the road at the end of fifty yards of gravel drive, and there were wrought-iron gates hung on brick pillars at the entrance. There was a hedge of hornbeam on each side of the gateway, but this was young, and had not yet grown to much more than four feet in height. There were trees here and there, which would be large in years to come, but not for a while yet. There were large sweeps of lawn, and there were flower-beds which were tended by a gardener who rode away on his bicycle at the end of his day's work and was not seen again by the occupants of the house until the next morning. The musketeers had observed the layout of the place in daylight, though they had not loitered. The road which ran past was of the class termed by-road. It was tarred, but potholed, narrow and winding, with hedges on each side, and the odd gnarled oak tree or ash. On it, one was as likely to meet a farm tractor as a car. At two o'clock in the morning, it was unlikely that any traffic at all would pass. It was at that hour when the musketeers arrived in the Range Rover. They did not take it up to the entrance gates, but left it concealed in a small wood not far away before walking the last hundred yards or so. They were wearing black jumpsuits and black leather trainers, black cotton gloves on their hands. When they came to the entrance, they found that the gates were closed and padlocked. There was very little light, and they could only vaguely make out the shape of the gates. But they could feel the padlock and the chain. They had anticipated this obstacle, but it presented no difficulty to the three athletic young men and the girl. They climbed over it, and in a moment were on the other side.
D'Artagnan was carrying the tools in a canvas bag slung over his shoulder. Porthos and Athos had similar bags, but these were empty. They expected to have things in them when they returned to the gate. It proved to be one of the simplest jobs they had ever tackled. They entered the house from the back, where, amazingly, the door had been left unlocked. Some people could be very forgetful, or just plain careless. The musketeers gratefully accepted this piece of good fortune, and got on with the job that had been made so easy for them. They were wearing the stocking masks now, and with the aid of pocket torches, they soon found their way to the main bedroom where a man and a woman were sleeping. Aramis switched the light on, and the woman woke at once, saw the intruders, and screamed.